Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Mindset Podcast, where we believe that in order to grow a successful business, you need just two things, the right marketing strategies and the right mindset. I am your host, Maria Bentz, and I am the founder of MBM Agency, a digital marketing company who helps service-based businesses grow their revenue using online strategies. And I am here to share with you all of my tips and pointers every single week when it comes to digital marketing and business growth. Today's episode is sponsored by our premium Wix templates. If you're totally stumped on how to build your own website, but can't afford to hire a designer, that does not mean that you should skip out on the important things in the process like professional design, sales formula, copywriting, and search engine optimization. Our premium Wix website templates are created with marketing and sales in mind. And the best part is that you can have a professional looking and functional website in just under 24 hours. Our website templates are completely stress-free. They're easy to use, so that means no Photoshop or coding required. They are designed to convert based on our signature homepage formula, and they are ready to launch as soon as you are done designing. So if you want to check this out, get it at mbmagency.com forward slash shop and use the discount code mindset to get 30% off. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Super excited for today's topic. We're going to be talking with Samantha Johnson on how to set your pricing and charging your worth. I know this is such a beneficial topic for I think any season of entrepreneurship, but Samantha is the CEO of Napoleon Creative and she is passionate about helping clients craft their own brands of style, personality, and heart. Samantha loves what she does, and in particular, she loves being able to uplift and empower female entrepreneurs. So Samantha, welcome to the show. Super excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. So before we dive into this juicy topic, I love learning about other entrepreneurs and basically tell me, take me on your entrepreneurial journey and how did you get to where you are today? My journey is more of a roller coaster than a journey, <laughs> um, but uh, overall it started like a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs that I know. Uh, I became a mom and um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the like I became a mom and I had to find something to keep me home. It was more of um, just became a mom and while I was at home, um, I needed something more to do. So I started playing with building websites. I'd always done it in the past where it was um, like Yahoo Small Business and building Mm -hmm. on Dreamweaver. And my friend and I had always had a dream of like having a business, but it was more, we never knew what we would do if we had a business. Uh, So I would build us websites and play. But um, in 2009, when I had my daughter, I discovered WordPress. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So uh, because I'd always tried to help other people build websites, websites, but then once you build it, it's like this static thing that they'd have to come back to you for if it was in Dreamweaver, right? Mm -hmm. So WordPress was like, oh my gosh, they can make edits themselves and they can stop bothering me. This is amazing. Um, So I was super excited about WordPress and I started playing around and building websites for friends and family and, you know, the doing it for free phase of life um, and business. And um, 
by about 2011, I had my first paying client that a friend sent me, which was like a friend of a friend. Um, and then by 2013, I was making about half of what I was making in my day job. And my day job had turned into not such a great place to be. I think mm -hmm. we all have that story at some point. Um, and so my husband said, quit. And I said, are you sure? Because <laughs> we had zero plans, zero savings. We just kind of took the leap. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was June, 2013. And about halfway through June, I found out I was pregnant with my second kiddo. And I was like, oh, this is not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, went through, you know, just was kind of cruising for the first few months. And then when I gave birth to my son in March, uh, he was born blue limp and unresponsive. Um, he's six now. He's totally okay, fine. Okay, it was okay. just one of those like code was called and like I had yeah. five nurses and two OBs and NICU and the oh, anesthesiologist. Like my, my room was full. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I had zero idea of what happened. I didn't know until after. Um, so I had a really good OB who had me very, very focused. Um, so I, I had no idea my son was born that way until after he was breathing and crying and with in my arms. So it was totally good. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was more traumatic for my husband than it was yeah. for me because he could yeah. see it all and knew what was going on. I had I didn't even know they called a code until after I gave birth oh, and they wow. told me they called a code. Um so it was it was a very eventful time, but in that moment, um, I also had clients that I was still getting emails from that were like, I know you just had a baby, but where's my stuff? And I was like, okay. So <laughs> I was like, not enjoying this so much. Like I'm yeah. still in the hospital getting these emails. And then a few weeks after that, my husband had uh, emergency surgery. He had an appendicitis. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, this is the roller coaster. <laughs> You're one of being on my own. Um, and then, uh, and I still had emails. I know your husband had surgery, but, and then when he had that surgery, they also discovered he had a mass on his kidney. So this was all in March. By June of the same year, we had put our condo up for sale because we couldn't all fit in it anymore. And my husband had surgery to remove the mass, which was a 50% chance of being cancer. Oh gosh. Um, he, then, he then almost bled out internally um, and ended up spending six days in ICU. And I had to move us out of the condo by myself uh, with a four and a half month old and an almost five-year-old. Uh, luckily I had friends who were super helpful, um, and came and, and helped us pack and, and I hired movers for the rest of it. Cause there was no way I was doing it on my own. Yeah. But again, I still had the clients that were doing the, I know you're going through all this stuff, but, um, so in October of that year, so a little over a year after I'd started my business, I sat back and I said, what the heck am I doing this for? Like, I don't want to be working with these people. I don't want to have this stress. Like mm -hmm. this isn't what I went into business for. And so I went on probably about a, a year long journey of evaluating what I was doing for my business because I had jumped feet first with no plan and no safety net. Um, I was making money, so it was fine, but I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. Like and you so were stressed. Finally, it was stressful. I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 Oh Yeah. And, uh, and then I started seeing people talk about ICA and all this other stuff. And I was like, what is an ICA? It's <laughs> like, yeah. I have a client. I just want to build websites for people. What are you talking about? Um, so I went on the journey for about a year of really defining what I do, who I do it for, 
how much I'm going to get paid because I was doing websites for like $700, um, which also made it that much more stressful when you're mm-hmm. only making $700 and it's taking you like an Especially entire with month to go to website. <laughs> yes. So, so my entire journey was uh, probably the first two years of figuring out what in the world I was doing and then spending the last uh, three or four really building what I have now. Nice. I am so excited to chat with you. We have not, not, not at all similar, not like exact similar, but very somewhat similar. So a little bit about me. Um, I started as a, I like graduated, went to school as a digital or went to, or what am I saying? Got hired as a marketing manager, um, was working at, you know, this company, um, I feel like I was always this entrepreneurial type, always wanted to start a business, but I didn't know what kind of like similar Mm -hmm. to you. And I got pregnant. And at the same time, I started realizing that I could do this for other people. Like what I was doing in marketing, I could do this for other people and get paid. So little by little, I started doing, um, you know, side, side jobs, side jobs, um, actually also narrowed down to more web design And we actually ended up moving to Georgia, but with my full-time job, I was still with them. And I, I negotiated that I was able to work remotely. But as soon as we moved to Georgia, a few months in, they were like, Hey, this remote position isn't working. So I was like, Oh crap. And at that point it wasn't like supplementing my full-time income. Like it was, you know, a little bit here and there, but it wasn't anything great. So I had to make that decision of like, okay, I'm either all in or I have to get another full-time job. And then within a few months it started, um, we, I was able to make that, but it's interesting cause I've gone through this journey. I'm new where I would say I'm like year three, um, of this business in this year, specifically this past year, I'm in that phase of reevaluating who we're working with, what kind of people are stressful to work with. And I, you know, cause you start this business for f- the freedom and to have that choice. And then you end up being just working for your clients and like, yes, that is so important. And it, client experience is so important, but, but at the same time, there are definitely, you know, people that I would love to work with and other people that no amount of money is worth the stress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so let's talk about, I guess ICA. I think that's a great, uh, like ideal client avatar. I think that's great, a great place to start. I feel like not many people think about that, but why is it important mm-hmm. to start thinking about our target audience and how does that play into pricing ourselves correctly? Oh my goodness. Okay. And this was a big one for us over this last year as well, um, because we had to reevaluate and adjust our ICA. So one of the things I want to start with, uh, especially for those who are starting out is understand that your ICA may not always be your ICA. It's something that you should, it it can evolve with you and your business as you grow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, for me, when I started out, I looked at helping other moms. I looked at, uh, people who were just starting out in business who needed a website and I could quickly get something up. I would use, uh, Genesis, uh, <laughs> pre-done templates that I would customize. Right. So I was more customizing mm-hmm. something somebody else had custom coded versus coding it from scratch. So I could charge less, mm-hmm. um, and be able to fit their, um, their price point. So for me, it was more about being able to help the people who are in the early stages. Now, as I've grown, 
my ICA now and being able to have it defined because I definitely was like, I can never charge more because these people can't afford more. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) tying it in with the pricing thing that we're going to do, uh, we're going to talk about later is, um, understanding that as, as your business grows and as your pricing changes, so does your ICA. Um, so for me, it became that I had new pools of people that I was targeting. And so our current ICA is still women who want to make an impact in the world, but they're definitely six, seven figure business mm-hmm. owners. That you know, can afford it. W- exactly. So, and it's, it's more about, uh, I still have the same type of person because for me, my ICA, I don't niche down in industry, but I niche down more in personality and okay. their, um, their purpose. Um, so I like the purpose driven ones, the ones who want to make an impact, the ones who are, are kind of being like, uh, I can do anything (laughs) kind of mindset. Um, I grew up with a very feminist father, so I'm in the mindset of like anything a man can do, I can do and probably better. (laughs) (laughs) No offense, men. (laughs) Sometimes you got to have that go-getter attitude, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so my clients are very much that same type of mindset. And so those are the people that, you know, we feed off of each other's energy and in the beginning, they were just starting out. They've got that gusto and that fire and they, they wanted to do stuff. And my pricing fit that and what I offered fit that. Um, and as I've grown, my ICA has changed into that six, seven figure business owner, but also what I deliver to them has changed. Mm-hmm. So for us and my team, we don't go customize something somebody else built. Now we custom build it. So there's definitely a higher price point with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, how can we as business owners start positioning our offer and authority so we can feel comfortable with charging these expert prices? Oh man, that is, (laughs) that is such a good one. Um, because it really does come down to, to the, how you position yourself, um, and being able to charge the expert prices. And I think it's really building the confidence in yourself. Um, because mm-hmm. when you come out of the gate, being confident in who you are and what you can provide, um, your client is going to feel that same confidence or that potential client who you're talking to. Um, one of the things I read, uh, recently was, um, atomic habits mm-hmm. and similarly in the fact that you do these small things to build bigger habits and better, uh, and, and do things in a better way in your own life. It's the same way in business, right? Mm-hmm. You make these small achievements, these small accomplishments that build your confidence in yourself, um, that get you to the point where when you're talking about things, you're not, um, and ah, and mm, maybe, Ooh, ah, but at the same time, um, like, so for me, I also come from working for Apple for four and a half years prior to running a business. And one of the things they instilled in us there was, um, one of the best ways to not come off as somebody who is being fake or ingenuine is, you know, share all the knowledge that you have. But if you don't have an answer, don't be afraid to say, you know, I don't know on that one. Let me, let me look it up. Um, but say it with confidence, you know, not like the, Oh, I don't, I don't know. And just leave it at that. Just confidently get behind the fact that you can find a solution. You can find an answer. Um, and, and don't be afraid to, to say when you don't know something. I love that. I love that. In your opinion, why do you think some people have such a hard time charging what they're worth? 
Oh, um, <laughs> I think there's many, many reasons. Uh, I know for myself and a lot of people in the early stages, I don't have a degree in what I'm doing. Um, and so uh, society has put that little piece of paper uh, <laughs> into a very, very high pedestal that we feel like if we don't have it, we can't ask for the same prices as the people who do have it. Um, so that's a, a particular mindset block that I think a lot of us have to get around. I think the other thing is, is not believing other people will see the value mm. um, and not speaking about the value or the benefit of what we do and looking more at features. So we get really stuck in mm. the, what are the deliverables? What are the features versus the benefits and the, and the, the true value of it? I love that. I talk about, um, features and reverses benefits too, because I feel like, especially in the beginning, and I know I've had this problem too, in the beginning, you're like, giving this price point. So you're trying to give them all the reasons why they need to pay for it. And we think like, oh, it's going to be five pages of this. It's going to include this and all these things where they don't care. They care about like, is it going to make them money? Is it going to make them stand out? How are, are they going to be positioned mm -hmm. as an expert? Right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I think especially where websites are concerned, that's exactly what a lot of people get stuck in is how many pages is it going to be? Um, am I integrating with all of these different things? And sure, when I send out like the scope of work, I list all of those things. Mm -hmm. But what I'm selling them on isn't that list. What I'm selling them on is the fact that they can confidently hand everything over to me, know that I'm going to build it right and it's going to perform, that they know that they're also getting the strategy behind it. Um, because that's something I think in the early days, especially for web developers is, um, and this is also something that, uh, I had somebody ask me once, what's the difference between a $3,000 website and a $15,000 website. And I said, one makes it look pretty. And the other one has strategy and gives you a return on investment. Because like, that's really that. the, yeah. <laughs> that's really the difference. And I mean, it's how I was in the beginning when I charged less, I made it a pretty website. I wasn't thinking about how they were making money back on it. Um, and when I got myself out of that mindset where I started looking at how can they make their money back? Am I making sure to give them that return on investment? I felt more confident and it was way easier for me to say, I need you to pay me this much because I'm going to make you this much money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I feel like when people see it in, in that way, it makes the sale almost like, like a no brainer. <laughs> oh yeah. A hundred percent. No brainer. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Um, so another question for you, how do you make sure that the packages that you offer cover your expenses and make sure that your company is profitable? I love this question. Uh, Sorry, I'm like asking you, but I'm like, but because <laughs> I love this question because as we are solo entrepreneurs, right? Then we start hiring out, start building a team, maybe junior designers, or it could be an admin or anyone to our team. And a lot of times we still keep our prices the same. So and I know I had a shock. I had, I had that. <laughs> um, so how do we make sure to, to position it? How do we look at it to make sure that we're still profitable? So I, I will say in the beginning, I was, I was very much the same way. I had my rights and then I would probably lose out if I misjudged and had to pay people extra. Um, what I actually do now is I have, I do have a base rate because I have a, a set of people that I typically work with. So I've gotten better at kind of estimating this, mm -hmm. but in the very beginning, when I very first built out my team or was starting to build out my team, I actually kind of reverse engineered it. Okay. So instead of saying the, the project is X amount and then hoping it covered everything, 
I actually said, okay, great. So I was subcontracting with this person and she's going to cover it like, cause of course, internally, we still do the X number of pages cost X amount. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's going to cover this much. Okay, great. Um, I want to pay myself this much. I've got my project manager, so I need to pay her this much. This is, I'm estimating her hours. And then I'm going to, you know, add in a buffer of the junior people who may come in and then I want X amount of profit and here's the taxes. And I would literally add it up. And the first time I did that, I ended up seeing a dollar amount that was about, oh, it was probably close to triple of what I had been charging. And so I literally, the adrenaline, I was like, oh my goodness, I, I can't ask for that. Yeah. Um, and luckily I was in a mastermind where I, I reached out to my coach and I was like, all right, so I have this project, here's the scope. And I want to charge this because I, this is my like dream ideal team. Like I just priced out what it would be like if ever, I had all the help I could have and I could step out and be more creative director, CEO, and, you know, just kind of oversee, but not be in it. Um, and I said, but this feels like a lot. Yeah. And so he, he literally gave me the pep talk and I ended up adding a little bit more for a buffer hit send and got a yes. And I was just shocked because it was, you know, three times what I'd been charging before. And oh my gosh, somebody paid three times. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, but now what we do is, so we still do that same, I do that every time at the beginning, I'll still price it out. But at the end of every project, we do a debrief. And okay. so we say, okay, what went right? What went wrong? How could we do it better? And were we profitable? So how much did how much time did everybody actually spend? What was the dollar amount I had to spend out in all of my subcontractors? Did I pay myself? Um, because sometimes we'll dip into, you know, our own payment yeah, to keep yeah. the business profitable. Um, and so we go through that and each time then I just adjust what our, our starting estimate is based off of how profitable each project is. Gotcha. So that makes sense. So I you debrief your past, uh, past, sorry, past projects. And then moving forward, you see if you need to adjust anything. Do you have like packages where someone's like, Oh, you know, what are your prices? What are your packages? Do you have like, okay, this is basic middle, you know, larger package where you have no, is it all custom? No. So for us, we have starting rates Okay. and then we'll adjust according to scope. So if scope is drastically different than what we, we deem as like a, a regular base package, mm -hmm. um, then we'll add on accordingly, but we don't do like tiered work. So gotcha. um, it's pretty much just, are you getting a regular site? Are you getting a membership site? Does the site include e-commerce? Like those things are just kind of yeah. add on base prices, but like if they've got five products versus a hundred products, it's obviously going to be a different rate if they want us to do all the products. So yeah. we usually do it based on scope. Um, one of the things that we recently implemented, which seems to be working really well for us as well. Um, and I'm hoping to do it a few more times to, to fine tune it, but, uh, it's the idea of doing the discovery portion as a paid discovery and doing the proposal after it. So a lot of us do that like initial strategy or discovery call once somebody has signed on and then we're like, Oh, scope's a little bit different than what I initially realized. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, so what we've done is we've actually taken that part out and we said, okay, great. We start here. We do an audit of your site. We go through everything. We, we get to see the back end. We do a full report and then we provide you the proposal of how to do everything that you've talked about with having full knowledge of what the, 
what we're jumping into. Um, I like that. And they pay for that, that discovery call and people are fine with it. Oh yeah. The thing that we tell them is, so this is all something that we would normally do at the beginning of the package. Um, so it's not in addition to, we've taken this part of the project out. So, uh, it goes toward your, Mm -hmm. your full package rate. And so what we like to do is we'll also show it. So we kept our rates the same and then we just do like the minus whatever they paid for the strategy. So they kind of see it and they feel like, okay, great. Like I didn't pay more. Um, and then we also let them know we like to do it this way because it gives us a better understanding of of your site and everything else, we can make sure that we're giving you an accurate quote. We're not, uh, you know, we're not estimating more than what could be there on assumption or less, but also the fact that if you don't like what we, uh, our suggestions, if you don't like what our report comes out with, or you, you know, you've worked with us for these two weeks that we're doing this and we decide we're not a fit, then you can take what that entire report and give it to somebody else. So it gives, it gives both of us that easy out. If, we're not the right fit. Cause sometimes you can jump in the waters and you're like, Ooh, this person was great on that initial call, but maybe we're not the right fit for each other. So, um, it gives you that easy out too. I love that. I love that. Especially with, I feel like any service-based businesses, web design, social media, anything like that. I think that is so good. Cause a lot of the times I think you're right. We jump in, you know, thinking we know, and I know we've had not every single client, right. But there's definitely those people where you're like, whoa, wait, this, this isn't exactly <laughs> what we talked about. So I, I love that. Um, trying to think, I had a question in my mind that I don't have written down as you were talking. It might come back to me <laughs> after, um, oh, but I, I just, I love what, I love what you're saying. And I think it's so interesting that we're both a somewhat similar industry. So, um, oh yeah. One of the questions that I had in my mind is, so as I feel like as business owners, we start off with lower pricing, we gradually end up going more and more. And once you started charging what you're worth, charging those expert prices, how do you deal with when people are hopping on a call or talking with you and you're naming your prices? Because I'm sure there's probably, you know, you have people that are like, yes, let's, let's do it. And then some people that are like, whoa, like this is this much for a website. Like what, how do you handle that? So um, I actually had, uh, I have had a couple people who say, uh, who just politely say, well, that's not in my budget. And I say, that's okay. That's fine. You know, we know we're not for everybody. Um, you know, if you'd like some referrals to people who are of lower rates that we trust, we're happy to, to send you to them. Um, we've gotten to a place where with the, um, clients that we have, we're definitely in a space where we're like, it's okay. We don't, if, if we don't have the work, we got plenty. Like, yeah, yeah. um, but I know in the beginning, it, it's not that way and it's not that easy. Um, for us in the very beginning of, of charging more when we were like, where's the next client going to come from? Where's the next client going to come from? Um, well, you know, even after you get one person to say yes, you're still like, will somebody else say yes too? <laughs> like how many people will say yes to this rate? Um, but uh, for us, one of the people actually came back and they said, how do you justify charging that much when there are other experts who charge at least half that? And uh, I sent back an email that basically said, here's the value of everything we bring to the table. And so for, for me, it was uh, one of the big things is 
every single person on my team is US based. So I'm not outsourcing to India or the Philippines. Um, I don't have people who are, who are working at that lower rate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We're all female uh, based. We keep it into the US for uh, multiple reasons. We wanna support our local economy. We wanna be in the same time, time zones as our clients. Um, and we're also not bringing you something that's a cookie cutter design. We're putting in hours. We're making sure it's perfect both in the look, the function, and how they're going to interact with it and how their clients interact with it. So we have an entire value email that's now a canned email that we basically shoot back to anybody who says, are you kidding me? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Hey, we get it. We're not for everybody. It's totally fine. Um, So being okay with the no, first of all, because not everybody is going to be the right person. Um, But I'll tell you that first person who said, are you kidding me? There's people who charge half what you're worth. After we sent that email, they asked, could we get on another call with you? Wow. So they didn't ultimately end up hiring us, but they thanked us for our time. They saw the value um, and they, uh, they felt comfortable then in their decision to go with somebody else. And we were like, hey, we gave it all we had. So uh, definitely understand that sometimes people can see the value in their pocketbooks, can't agree with them. Um, but also just being okay with the nose because when you get that yes, it's gonna be somebody who values your time, they're gonna value your expertise and you're not gonna get the person who thinks they can tell you where to put things on the site or, you know, we all know those. I call them pixel pushers <laughs> because they're like, could you move that like just a little bit that way? <laughs> I've, I've literally had that. I remember when I first started, my um, love her. I'm like, I don't know, if, should I say this? But it was one of my mom's friends. She <laughs> hired me for a project and it was like, she's like, can you come over with your laptop? And we literally sat there and she's like, two points to the right, literally two points to the right, <laughs> two points up. I'm like, <laughs> like, do you want to yeah. do this yourself? <laughs> Here, would you like the mouse? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's uh, crazy. Yes. No, we can, we can love them. We may not love working with them, but we can love them. Um, but yes, so uh, I tend to find that the people who are no's or who are wishy-washy tend to be those people who end up feeling like they kind of have to step in and, and direct. Um, and so I'm okay if they want to tell me no, because the ones who do say yes, I want them to be able to say, here's the keys, do, mm-hmm. what, do what I paid mm-hmm. you to do. Yeah, yeah. And that's important as a designer, as a business owner, that is your job to do it. Um, okay. So turning a little bit, how can we work on creating a funnel for service-based businesses to bring in more of our ideal clients? Oh, see, I don't know that I'm the right person to talk to about that. Um, I'll say that because I am probably the black sheep here. Um, (laughs) I, um, I show up in Facebook groups and give value. And that's how I've really built relationships and networked my business. Um, I actually have never built a funnel for my own business. I've helped okay. clients build theirs, but I, I, I built get my that. own I business. I focus on other people's first. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in all honesty, my, I would say in building a funnel in building anything to do with marketing your business, value is key. So, um, don't do it to, to build your bottom line, do it because you truly want to serve. Um, so come at it from a a mindset and a a heart of wanting to give versus receive. Mm -hmm. Um, and it will be received well. And then that's how you can really see, um, the engagement. You can see the raving fans. 
Um, it's one of the things there's so many people who talk and I'm doing this also from a perspective of how I've built my own business. Cause there's so mm-hmm. many people who are like, I try to get in Facebook groups, but they won't let you post and they won't let you do all this stuff. And how am I supposed to get in front of people if they won't let me talk about my business? And I'm like, that's literally like 95% of how I've built my business. And I've never <laughs> once done a promo post. I've never nice. once, you know, tried to market myself in somebody's group because what I do is I go in and I just add value. I answer people's questions and I truly come at it from a place of serving Mm -hmm. and my most recent client. So I'll give a, for instance here. Um, I joined Stu McLaren's tribe, Mm -hmm. uh, because I build memberships for a ton of my clients. I have my own strategies, but I thought, you know what Stu teaches. And I know a lot of people take his stuff. I'd love to see what his strategies are, how I can fine tune what I'm doing for my clients. Um, and while I was in there, there's a ton of people asking about the tech of how do I build my, my membership? Do I do it on WordPress? Do I do it on Kajabi? What's this? And so I just started answering questions and giving advice. And I, my latest client said, hey, you come highly recommended and I've been seeing you post in Stu's tribe. Um, I'd love to chat. She's not connected to anybody that knows me. I wasn't yeah. actually recommended. She just happened to be paying attention to everything I was posting in response to other people's questions. Yeah. And she ended up hiring me to build her membership. Um, so I think that if you come at it from that same mindset where I'm building relationships, if you're building your funnel with a value mindset, with a giving versus receiving mindset, that what you put out there is going to have people coming back to you to buy and to build, whether or not, even if they can't afford to buy, they're more than likely going to send somebody else who probably can, because they're yeah. like, this was amazing. You need to go check out this person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my number one advice on anything you put out. I love that. I love that. I, I agree. I think that's so important, especially because people can feel right. Even, even on something as posting, I think in a forum, people can feel it. If you're truly being helpful, if you're trying to be salesy, and if you're trying to be helpful, people are just so much more coming at you with open arms <laughs> because yes. you weren't doing that. And a quick random question. What is your opinion on like membership sites, courses? What do you prefer? What platform do you prefer? <laughs> oh, so I, uh, being a WordPress developer, um, I love Access Ally. I haven't even so, heard of that. Okay. Yeah. Access Ally, it's a WordPress plugin. Um, the pro version gives you like the gamification and progress, uh, tracking and all of that. Um, I love it because it directly integrates with, uh, the main CRMs. So they say tag based CRMs. Um, but it's, uh, Entreport, Infusionsoft, Keep, um, Mm -hmm. ActiveCampaign, ConvertKit and Drip. I think are the six. Um, so, you know, most of the popular ones that most of us use, yeah, yeah. but the way that it integrates and the way that you're able to control both access as well as, um, functionality and, uh, design, it's just, it's bar none, the best that I've ever been in. Like any other platform that you're in Kajabi, Thinkific, um, teachable. And I've done custom Thinkifics where like I custom coded an entire membership. Um, you still can't hundred percent achieve the goal when you're in somebody else's platform with WordPress, you already have that flexibility. And then you add access ally, which just gives you this robust, uh, ability to control access and take payments and everything else. Um, I've done ones in member press and woo and learn dash because it's what clients have had already built. 
And I can't tell you how much hair I've lost in gray hair that's come in <laughs> over trying to make them work the way that I want. Um, Access Ally doesn't give you that headache. So nice. uh, it's just amazing. That is good. Have you worked with Kajabi at all? What's your opinion on Kajabi? Kajabi is not bad uh, for an all-in-one, uh, but I still, it still gives me gray hair. There's, um, <laughs> there's not a lot of, cust- cust- I've only worked with a couple Kajabi sites and I remember just, there's not much, unless if you, unless I guess if you do fully code it, there's not much custom, yeah. custom, custom, what's the word? Customability? No. <laughs> customization that you can do yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's okay <laughs> uh yeah no it's the um yeah same thing it between thinkific kajabi etc they're all built to be a specific thing and then they've all added on other features um so that's also the thing that i always tell everybody because they'll like kartra comes up a lot kajabi comes up a lot you know are these things that i should build my membership in um they were all started well with the exception of Kartra, they were all started as course platforms. So their mm-hmm. core thing is how the course piece functions. And then they've added these other things on and they kind of do that. Okay. But it's not great. Same thing with like the, cause Kajabi is the all in one and does email and everything. Now, if you're not super tech savvy and you don't care about hundred percent customizing it and you want to get it up quickly, great. Use one of those platforms. Um, they'll help you get it out there and you can always migrate away when you have uh, the ability to pay somebody more. Um, I think that every platform has its purpose and its space, Mm -hmm. but for me, for what I build for my clients, I want them to have the best of the best. And in my opinion, that's access ally on WordPress site. Cool. I love it. Cause I know we have definitely a good amount of people that are into courses, especially I feel like right now in 2020, that's such a popular topic. (laughs) So I was curious, curious on your opinion. Um, So kind of one more question regarding prices as we're growing, right. And as we're adjusting our packages and things like that, what can we offer to our, I guess, existing packages to be able to raise our prices or like what would make sense for us as business owners to do that? So, uh, for clarity, are you meaning like if you have somebody on retainer, I guess either retainer or even as you were kind of relooking at like, say for instance, since we're both web designers, like say if you have, you know, say one website basic package was $3,000, let's say. And you're like, okay, for future clients, we want to raise this price. How can we add value to this package? I guess. Does that make sense? I, yeah. Sometimes I think it's not necessarily about having to add value, but recognizing the value that you've already put into it. Um, mm. So I would start there. Uh, and then I would say, if at that point you've evaluated and you're still saying, uh, I don't know, then think about the the value that you can add and always look at it from a perspective of what is going to bring in um, a return on investment for your clients, because that's the value they care about. So don't think about how many deliverables you can add. Think about how you can maybe change your strategies. So for me, it's always keeping up to date and especially on, on a marketing podcast. I'm sure this is what you guys are, are looking for. It's staying up to date with the marketing uh, tactics. So what works and what doesn't work. Um, how come up with strategies of your own for how you deliver stuff. For, so for instance, in, in the web design area, my biggest thing was changing my strategy on how I built pages. So I don't build pages in the typical above the fold uh, 
thought process that we all used to when I first started, which was get as much information above the fold as you can and make sure there's an opt-in or some sort of action they have to take above the fold, right? Which is the before they have to scroll. The way that I actually attack websites now is that I look at it from the customer journey perspective. And that is, uh, if you ask them for too much above the fold, you feel like the used car salesman coming out trying to get them to buy the car. Um, so give more than receive above the fold and then ask below the fold for them to, sense. to reciprocate. So, um, so it's coming up with the strategies that you feel will actually give your clients that ROI, build their email list, get people to, to click and reach out and contact. And as you build those strategies, um, you're going to see the value that you can provide and be able to communicate that value to your clients, which helps you to raise your rates. That makes sense. So again, going back to features, I feel like features versus benefits, right? That's just yes. the main part to highlight. Okay. And then I yes. lied one more question because <laughs> as you're talking, I'm like trying to think, I feel like a question that people would have, especially if they're in the lower, like starting out, right? How are we going to get these high paying clients? <laughs> That's the biggest question ever, right? Uh, uh, yeah, there's no perfect answer on that one. <laughs> Honestly, it's just believing that they're out there. Um, because I didn't believe, and I happened upon one that got referred to me, and I kid you not, they just keep coming. Um, and again, it's, um, I mean, they would have happily offered me the rates that I used to charge. But sometimes raising your rates also helps you secure the client that said no to your lower rates because it's also about perceived value. So when you charge too little, they perceive you as not being uh, expert enough. Um, so in my experience, getting these clients is about knowing where they live. Uh, so we, we talk a lot in the early stages of going where your ICA is. Um, so for instance, uh, I was part of like a mom Facebook group, a mom business owner Facebook group in the early stages, but that's one pool of people that was in my early days. Those same people are not the people who are gonna pay me, you know, five figures for a website. So I had to shift where I hang out. Mm -hmm. And people who pay Stu, you know, $2,000 to be in Tribe, some of those people, not all of them, but some of them are going to be the people who are going to spend five figures on having somebody else build their membership. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're in there for the strategies, but they're also going to need somebody to build it. So it's, it's understanding where they're at in their stage of business and where they're hanging out and find them there. That makes, that makes, that makes totally sense. Total sense. Um, and then before we go, how can people work with you and how can they get connected with you online? Oh, the million dollar question. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so you can find me at neapolitancreative.com. Um, and if it's uh, difficult to spell, because I know we all, we all mix it up, neacreative.com or .co will actually take you there as well. Nice. Um, and then you can find me, uh, Facebook and Instagram are both uh, Neapolitan Creative for the handles. And those are pretty much the two places I hang out. You can also find me in our new group, which is the Designer Scoop. Um, we're actually going to be updating that to be what's the scoop to include more than just designers, uh, so that we can be a little bit more inclusive on our entrepreneur, uh, space. Um, and you can find that by going to, uh, neapolitancreative.com forward slash group. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was so valuable, I'm sure. 
And we will include your links in the podcast show notes so that our audience can get connected with you as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and leave us a review with your main takeaways from this episode. But thanks again for joining me today and I will catch you next time on the Marketing Mindset Podcast.